Praise God, brothers and sisters. Praise God, brothers and sisters. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be born of God? What does that even look like, practically speaking? A lot of these questions can be answered through one small book written in the New Testament, the Epistle of First John. And tonight we listen to Stan read First John chapter 5. And I wanted to give a brief summary of the different things that characterize and define a Christian. Just very briefly, I have them written down. A list of the few different things, the few different qualities that define a Christian. What are some of those things? A child of God walks in the light as God is light. If you walk in darkness and you say that you have fellowship with God, you are a liar and you do not walk in the light. A child of God confesses their sin. They do not hide their sin, but they confess it. It says that a child of God walks in love just as God is love. Whoever hates his brother does not love God. For if we have seen our brother and hate them, how can we love God whom we have not seen? If we hate our brother, we do not love God. It says that a child of God practices righteousness. They do not practice sin. It says that a Christian does not believe everything that they hear, but they test it with the Word of God. It says that the child of God does not fear death because that child has eternal life. And ultimately, the child of God believes in the Son of God. These are all different things that define a Christian. And there are more things in the scriptures that define a Christian. But there is one more thing, and the one thing that I wanted to emphasize tonight, this is something that was read in chapter 5, starting at verse 14, reading down to verse 15, and it goes like this. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. What I wanted us to focus on tonight was this. A Christian is defined by confidence in prayer. Specifically, a confidence that God will accomplish His desires and His plans. The confidence that God is sovereign. He is in control. He is creator over everything. And that if we pray according to His will, we can be confident He will answer our prayers. This is something that should define a Christian. Once again, this is not a confidence in ourselves, in our own wisdom, in our own ability, in our own strength, in our own understanding, but this is a confidence rather in God. And so, how do we grow in this confidence? How do we pray according to the will of God. How do we get to this place? What even is the will of God? Is the will of God something that you and I can know as a fact, objectively? Or is the will of God something that is a mystery? Something that we have to beg God to reveal to us? Something that we just hope one day we will understand? Is that what the will of God is for each and every single one of us? I want us to take a look at what the scriptures have to say 
in regards to these questions. And I think the best thing that we could do to begin is take a look at wrong prayer. The best way for us to understand what good prayer is, what prayer according to the will of God is, is to see what the wrong type of prayer is like. And this is where I want us to turn to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4, starting at verse 1, reading down to verse 4. It begins like this. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. There are two main things we can take from this passage of Scripture, two main ideas for what wrong prayer looks like. And the first one is this, the lusts and the desires for pleasure. Prayer that is guided by a lust or a desire for sinful pleasures that war in our members. And the second one is very similar to it, and that is friendship, or it could be translated in affection, or a fondness, or a love for this world. Now, if we were to go back into 1 John, we would see that one of the qualities of a true Christian is that they do not love the world. 1 John teaches us that if a person loves this world and the things of it, the love of the Father is not in them. So as we read this passage in James, we can infer that this passage is not written to a true believer. This passage in James chapter 4, beginning from verse 1 all the way down to verse 10, is talking to a non-believer. Why? Because the prayer is defined by a love for this world. Not only that, but if we go down to verse 8, it says this of James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. What does this phrase, double-minded, mean? This phrase, double-minded, literally means to be divided in half. This is a person who has two different souls. He is not consistent, but one moment he is for one side, and the next he is equally for the other side. This is someone who is not a true genuine believer. In fact, that phrase to be double-minded is repeated in James chapter 1 as well. If we quickly turn back to James chapter 1 and read from verse 7 and 8, it says this, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And so this picture of being double-minded, to have two different souls inside of you ultimately means to have a divided loyalty. A person who is double-minded has divided loyalty. They do not truly love God because their prayer is a prayer designed to satisfy their lusts. Their prayer is a prayer designed for the affections of this world. This is a person who is not genuine. This is a person who is not sincere. And why is this important for us to understand? It is important for us to understand this because you and I cannot pray 
according to the will of God unless we first have a right relationship with God. You and I cannot come to God in confidence through prayer, in a confidence that He will answer us as we seek His will, unless we first know His will, unless we first have a relationship with Him. And so what does it say? What does the Scripture say is the acceptable prayer to someone who is a sinner, to someone who is double-minded, to someone who does not genuinely love God? The only acceptable prayer is what's written in verse 9 and 10. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. If you are in this place and you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the only acceptable prayer for you is a prayer of broken humility. The prayer of broken humility humility and repentance, a prayer of coming and drawing near to God. That is the beginning of learning what it means to pray according to the will of God, having a right relationship with God. I want us to turn to another passage in Scripture that says something equally important, something that will teach us how important it is to first have this relationship with God. And this is where I want to turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says this, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man. Who is the natural man? The natural man is the person who has not yet been born of God. The natural man is who you and I all once were before we came to Christ. The natural man is the one who is spiritually blind and dead and the one who is spiritually lost. That is who the natural man is. And this passage of Scripture is telling us that this natural man, the person who does not yet believe, who has not yet been regenerated by the Spirit of God, he cannot understand the things of God. The things of God are foolishness to him. He cannot discern them because they are all spiritually discerned. The things of God cannot be received by someone who does not have a right relationship with God. Again, the emphasis is this. If you do not have a relationship with Christ, unless you have, like it says in verse 16, the mind of Christ, how can you understand what the will of God is? It is impossible. You cannot. You cannot have confidence in your prayer and pray according to the will of God because you don't understand the things of God. If you want to begin to understand how to have confidence in prayer and how to pray according to His will, you must begin with a right relationship with God. And so, if we do have this right relationship, now that we've focused on that point, now that we've drilled that in, what if we do have a relationship with Jesus Christ? What if we are genuinely saved but we feel like we do not have confidence in prayer. We feel like our prayers are weak or we're not even sure how to pray. How do we grow in praying with confidence? How do we grow in praying according to God's will? And this is where I want us to turn to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, the first two verses are what I want to read next. 
it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the emphasis I want to do is on verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In the same way that you and I cannot understand God's will, you and I cannot understand the spiritual things of God until we first have a right relationship with Him. In that same way, you and I cannot stay neutral when it comes to this spiritual war, brothers and sisters. This world has one goal in mind, one mission, and that is to conform you into everything that is contrary to the things of God. Everything in this world, through what is promoted, through what is praised, even through what is condemned, has this one goal in mind, to turn you into everything that is contrary to what is pure, to what is holy, to what is righteous, and to what glorifies God himself. We see that this world is seeking to mold us into its own image. This is an image that condemns righteousness. This is an image that does not seek after the things for God. This is an image that glorifies lust. This is an image that glorifies desiring our own pleasures, that seeks to promote self, selfishness, to seek riches, to seek money, to seek fame, to seek the things that are not humbling, the things that are not the things that Christ would honor, the things that Christ would exalt. Christ would dwell with the humble, associate with the humble, but not this world. The world wants you to do whatever you can to make yourself set apart, to make you above everyone else. We see that even now, Christians are labeled by this world as homophobes, as xenophobes, and I'm, I'm learning more of these phobes as I'm growing in this, and we're just, we are misogynist, and we are oppressive, and we are controlling, and now with the critical race theory, we are also racist, brothers and sisters. This world has effectively made Christians evil. This world has literally taken the children of God and smothered them through the dirt and the filth and made them out to be the oppressors and the things that are the source of everything wrong in our culture today. This is what the world has done to us who believe. This world is not our friend. And even if you are a Christian, you cannot stay idle. The world is influencing you, brothers and sisters. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You only have those two options. You're either being molded by the world, or you're being transformed by God. You're either being influenced toward wickedness, or you're being influenced to holiness, to righteousness. And so how do we renew our minds? How do we become transformed by the renewal of our mind? How do we prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? 
We do that by studying the scriptures, brothers and sisters. We do that by reading the word of God. As you and I devour the word of God, which is our spiritual food, our lives are transformed. We grow in faith. We grow in understanding. We are able to resist the lies of this world. We understand that sin is deception. We understand that the things of God are eternal and that the pleasures of this world are temporary. It is through the reading of the Word of God that you and I are able to resist the influence of this godless world that we live in. And so why is it that very often even Christians can struggle with confidence in prayer? Why is it that even us who are saved often do not know how to pray? It is because we have begun to neglect the reading of the Word of God. When you and I neglect to be transformed and to renew our minds, the world slowly conforms us into its own image. And the world slowly causes us to dwell on earthly things, sensual things, lustful things, things that will not give us eternal satisfaction. And so we find ourselves praying, just like it says in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, our prayers become prayers that are defined by the lusts for pleasure and with friendship to this world. Even a Christian, because of the sin that remains in our flesh, will gravitate toward wrong prayer if you and I are not diligent in guarding our hearts and our minds through the reading of the Word of God. If you and I put the reading of Scripture on the back burner for later, for next time, we will find ourselves slowly drifting further and further and further away from the mind of Christ. If you and I are drifting from what the Word of God teaches us is right and proper and holy, we will find that our prayers will become weaker and weaker and weaker. In fact, if we pray in a way that shows that we love the things of this world, we actually put ourselves in opposition to the will of God. It says that if you love this world and if you, in a, and if you pray in a way that shows you love the things of this world, you put yourself in opposition to God. You become an enemy of God. Your prayer itself goes against the will of God. And so, how do we answer this question? What is the will of God then? Since we've seen that it is important to first become a child of God before we can understand the will of God, and since we've now understood how important it is to grow in the Word of God, what is the will of God? Is the will of God something that is mysterious, something that you and I will never ultimately know? Is it something that we're going to beg God to reveal to us? Or does the Word of God tell us what the will of God is? And this is where I want us to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want to read from verse 3 all the way down to verse 7. For this is the will of God, your sanctification that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Everything that God is doing in your life revolves around this, your sanctification. 
the will of God for you and for me without a doubt, without a mystery, without a question, with 100% certainty is this, your sanctification, my sanctification. What does it mean to be sanctified? It means to be set apart. Specifically, it says here that you would no longer live like the Gentiles, that you would no longer live as a slave to your passions and lusts, that you would finally walk in holiness. To be set apart, to be sanctified, is to grow in holiness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. For you and I to seek sanctification is for you and I to grow in holiness. It is so simple Brothers and sisters, this is the will of God for you and for me, that you and I might grow in our conformity to Jesus Christ. If we, re if we read Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it says, For we were foreordained to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. What you and I are seeking to do in growing in our relationship with Christ is to become more and more like Him. We were predestined to become molded, not to this world, but to the image of Jesus Christ, who is the firstborn among many brethren. He is our elder brother, Jesus Christ, and you and I are growing into an image that mirrors His. You and I are seeking to grow in Christ-likeness. So when you and I are seeking to pray according to the will of God, this is the lens through which we pray, brothers and sisters. The lens through which we approach God confidently in prayer, knowing that He will answer us, is prayer that is looking for our sanctification. Prayer that is seeking to glorify God by having us transform into His image. This is what it means to pray according to the will of God. What does that look like practically? Practically, what does it look like to pray according to the will of God? And I tried to think of an example that I thought might be very relatable with many of you here, and that is seeking for work. I remember there was a season in my life where I was praying, God, please help me to find another job. And I had my reasons for that. There were issues at the place where I was working, things that I did not like. I wanted to get paid more. I wanted better benefits. And there was a list of reasons why I wanted a new job. And so as I was praying to God, seeking another job, I was getting interviews and I was being interviewed and we were doing the weird stuff through the Zoom and the phones because of COVID. And I just kept getting rejected, 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 rejected. And every single time I got rejected, I became more and more bitter. I started saying, God, don't you want me to get a better job? I was trying to convince God, right? God, isn't this what's best for me? Lord, I want to take care of a family someday. My income needs to be greater, Lord. Lord, I want a job where I can glorify you. And this environment isn't the best anyway, God. And so I'm trying to convince God. And every time he is not giving me a new job, I am becoming bitter. And so how do I apply this passage of scripture? How do I change my prayer so that it lines with the will of God? I had to change it to something like this. Lord God, you know that I am seeking another job. But if it is better for me to stay where I am at, and you are trying to teach me something, Lord, you're trying to teach me to depend on you and not on my own strength, then let me stay where I'm at, Lord. And he answered that prayer. And Lord, if you really want me to find another job, then I pray let it be your timing, not my timing, God, because your timing is best. This is how you take a prayer that is selfish in its nature, 
a prayer that is seeking to fulfill its own desires and comes with friendship to this world, and we conform it to the will of God. We say, Lord, not our time, but your time. Lord, if it is better for me to stay in these circumstances that I do not like, then let me stay if that gives you glory, God. Lord, if you are trying to change me where I am at, let me be content where I am at. Teach me to be content, Lord. That's how we pray according to the will of God. And what do you think happened, brothers and sisters? When I submitted to the will of God for my life and I learned to be content where I was at, he blessed me with another job and I was able to move on somewhere else. When you and I pray according to the will of God, we can have confidence, brothers and sisters. We can trust that his will is going to be accomplished because he is sovereign. He alone sits on the throne. He is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. It is Jesus Christ, and all will bow before him. His will is going to be accomplished. Whether or not you like it, brothers and sisters, his will is going to happen. And if you want to grow in your confidence in prayer, in knowing that your prayers are effective, in knowing that your prayers will be answered for your good, you must understand the lens through which you must pray. It is through the lens of your sanctification, of my sanctification. It is through the lens of growing in Christ-likeness. That is the lens through which you and I must pray if we want to have confidence in our prayers. And ultimately, what do you think happens when you read the Word of God long enough? When you keep having your mind transformed and renewed, what do you think starts happening over time? Your desires start to become God's desires. That's why David could say in Psalm 37:4, delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. When you grow with your relationship with God, your desires become his desires. Your prayers become what he wants for your life. And so as you're growing in sanctification, your prayers begin to be answered left and right because your prayers are no longer prayers for your own desires, but they are for the desires of God himself. And so once again, praying with confidence, praying with confidence in God, knowing that he will answer us as long as we pray according to his will, it must begin with a right relationship with God. You and I, naturally, by our own strength, can never understand the things of God. Our mind cannot comprehend or discern. It is foolishness to us, the things of God. We need a right relationship with God for us to obtain the mind of Christ and to begin to understand what it is that God wants from us. And if you and I are already in Jesus Christ, you and I are already saved, we must be careful. This world is trying to conform us. This world is trying to influence us. And this world, if we are not opposing it with the scriptures, is going to cause us to have weak prayers. It is going to cause us to not know how to pray. It's going to cause us to not have confidence in God answering our prayers. And we will not be able to comprehend what God's will is. And what is God's will? God's will is your and my sanctification. God's will is for you and for me to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and to mirror him more and more so that on the day that you die, you will be more like Jesus than when you first believed. You were justified on the first day you believed in Jesus Christ and you were saved and you were secure. But on the day that you die, you will better reflect Jesus Christ than on the day that you first began. And with these thoughts in mind, I want us to bow and I want us to enter into prayer. I want us to examine ourselves. What do our prayers look like? 
Are our prayers defined by a love for this world? Are our prayers defined by the lust for pleasure that we have? Let us examine ourselves. It's very possible that we do not pass this test. We are not saved could be one of the reasons why our prayers are like this. And the second reason might be similar to it. We've allowed this world to conform us. And that is why our prayers have begun to be ineffective. Let us bow and let us pray.